to resist depression and investigate alternative ways of living for a world based on justice, solidarity and sustainability. Welcome to the Paradigm Shift on 4ZZZ at 102.1 FM, your local community radio station. My name's Andy and I will be on your radio for the next hour. I'm coming to you uh, once again from Wajaknunga country on the west coast. Um, but I have been keeping an eye on what's happening in Brisbane and in the last week, part of the news has been uh, the Greens' takeover of Queensland um, with the federal seats of Griffith and Ryan, both won by the Greens and Brisbane, possibly uh, still in the balance, but the Greens very much in the hunt. It has been dubbed by some of the media around the country the Greensland um, election. And uh, those of us who have been around and been around um, political organising in Brisbane know that it's been a long time coming. There's been a lot of work put in by Greens people. And so on the show today, I'm going to speak to a couple of them. Liam Flannerty who was the campaign manager for Max Chandler Mather's successful run in Griffith, and Esther Vale, who was also a successful Greens campaign manager just across the river in Ryan, where Elizabeth Watson-Brown has won the seat. Um, I speak to them. I have a wide-ranging conversation with them both over the length of the show around how they think these campaigns have successfully grown, uh, about what their hopes are for having parliamentarians in and about uh, what we can learn from this, both for what it says about our society and how we can build social movements to make it better. So stick around. That's what we'll be listening to. Uh, Certainly, I don't intend to align this show with a, a political party, but... Uh, If you've been listening to Paradigm Shift for a long time, you'd know that we are about um, environmental sustainability and about social equality. And I think the Greens uh, have shown that they are committed to these principles as well. And and it certainly felt good on election night to see uh, these candidates being successful on that kind of platform and also to see the back of Scott Morrison after... Uh, four years of ScoMo and eight years of Liberals in power. Um, it's been a horrendous time of climate denialism, of um, corruption and mistreatment of women. And uh, very happy to see the end of it. Also on the show, I'm going to be playing uh, 
a few songs that celebrate ScoMo's legacy as Prime Minister. He did have a, quite a musical legacy, mostly not very positive in their assessment of him as a person or a politician. Um, but we will get that. And so let's start off with one of them. This is Finger May with Scotty's Bad Week. On the paradigm shift, that was Finger May with Scotty's Bad Week. As promised, we are going to speak with a couple of Greens campaigners about their success in the recent election. Let's have a listen. Hi, I'm Liam Flannerty, and look, I was the campaign manager for the seat of Griffith at this recent uh, federal election for the Greens. Hi, I'm Esther Vale. I was the campaign manager for Libby Watson-Brown in Ryan. Well, congratulations to you both on being successful campaign managers. It was certainly uh, a pretty remarkable uh, event for the Greens. I guess how is the the party and the two campaign teams feeling after it all? (laughs) Um, Feeling really good, feeling a bit tired. I think it's starting to hit me now um, because these were long campaigns. uh, Andy, like, um, I, I think Ryan was what 12 months griffith was 14 <laughs> something like that yeah 12 12 full months for us over here yeah 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 so we, we've been slogging our guts out for a while now so a bit exhausted but it's an exciting i don't think anyone um i think esther you're probably a little bit more um uh optimistic about your chances in ryan by the end of the griffith campaign i was convinced we were going to lose i mean part of me thought that we were we were going to get this enormous swing but i wouldn't allow myself to believe it um and so it's we've woken up in this weird world where we've won at least two if not three lower house seats for the greens in queensland when no one thought that was possible particularly winning off incumbents which is something that um the greens haven't achieved before adam bennett won his seat in 2010 when the incumbent stood down and so these things are 
pretty unprecedented and um, we're feeling pretty excited about what it means in terms of our ability to build more capacity um, for sort of progressive or radical politics or whatever the hell you want to call it um, and sort of disseminate I suppose, to some extent, the um, approach that we've taken here, which I think is bearing fruit, and I think people want to see how they can replicate that to some extent in their areas. So so we're excited about that as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, on, that, on that comment about being optimistic, I, on my most optimistic, I thought we might come right down to the wire, and I was absolutely as shell-shocked as anyone else that um, it actually got called on the night along with Griffith. Um, that was my, my one hope was that Griffith would would get called on the night so you lot could all party, but I thought we'd be in for two weeks of scrutineering. Um, but that's where Brisbane is at the moment um, with, yes. you know, just watching those additional counts coming in and waiting to see who comes on top in the 3CP to, to then see who wins. But um, my understanding is that it's looking really good for, for Brisbane at the moment and getting that sort of trifecta of the, the three seats in inner Brisbane. Mm. Um, well, um, I guess th th we're in a position the Greens haven't been in before federally where with a few um, lower house representatives and including in uh, Queensland where there's never been any before. Um, what are the hopes for what this will mean um, over the next three years? Do you want to have a crack at that, Esther? <laughs> I've got lots of thoughts, but they're swirling. Yeah, I, I think we're, we're definitely building a lot of capacity to, to keep campaigning. And um, if you've paid any attention to the Queensland Greens over the last few years, we are paying attention to all levels of government. So we're going to put a lot of effort into winning council seats, winning state seats, and then, you know, protecting, if not expanding, come next federal election. Yeah, I think it is. I think our immediate thoughts, I th I'm the same as, as Esther, my immediate thoughts are towards how to consolidate these wins um, in council and state elections and also then on a more community organising level, like how do we deepen that uh, aspect of our of our party over the next mm, few 100%. years. Um, yeah, and so a lot of a lot of my mind is is on that, and I suppose that's partly because, and maybe same with Esther, because we're campaign managers, not necessarily like policy wonks. We're not thinking as much about the interventions in Parliament, but thinking more in terms of the on the ground organising that um, we we can now uh, really massively scale up. Um, and so that's that's our immediate sort of thoughts, and I think. Um, but I also do think the 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 wins themselves, and then having people as talented as Max and Libby and and, and hopefully Stephen as well in there um, to push for a, I guess you know it's like a mixed it's a coalition in the Greens here between I think democratic socialists and like left liberals, but like it is a particularly I think increasingly clear politics of universality. You know, like everyone should have access to the things they need to be able to live a decent life. Um, tax, you know, and then a class politics is becoming increasingly part of the overall politics that we can broadcast that to the nation even more. And so I, I think um, so. There's the on the ground organising and, and um, consolidation of the wins, and then there's that question of how do we capitalise on this um, to, you know. Um, drive a politics that is 
you know, broadly class-based and is broadly, I think, sort of, I guess you'd say it's socialist in its orientation or, like, democratic socialist in its orientation, even if not everyone would describe themselves as that. So, yeah, that's, that's um, I suppose that's where we're at. Well, it might come back to socialism, but it is a bit of a surprise there that you you haven't just talked about, you know, what it might mean to hold the balance of power and um, mm. negotiations with labour and things like that. Already, labour's sort of being a bit frosty. Uh, is that not what the Greens are seeing as a win out of here, some kind of idea of a balance of power? Well, we certainly have um, a good balance of power in the Senate in our own right in the Greens with getting three new senators across Australia. So there's a lot of power for the Greens in the Senate. In the lower house, um, it seems like Labor are basically claiming majority already, um, although it seems like a few hundred votes in McNamara would have been the difference between um, five Greens lower house MPs and Labor not having um, majority yeah. in their own right, but I think uh, Labor think they've got a lot of a lot of cross bench to work with, and and they might try and be a bit frosty with um, the Greens. But mm. you know, our our politics this election has always been um, looking forward to to work with Labor and with the cross bench, however we can, and not you know necessarily um, relying on on a strict balance of power agreement to work for the community and get wins for our politics mm. and i think the other thing yeah I, I think that's all that's all correct Esther. and i think um labor if they fall one seat short are probably going to find the um like most uh compliant of the independents to sort of work with <laughs> rather than us yeah um but i think um one thing that um, my partner, Nicole, who's Amy's chief of staff, has been saying a lot over the last few days um, is that we, going into council and state, um, and then also on a more federal level, um, the fear now of the Greens surely means we can extract some concessions out of the powers that be. Uh, I think there'll be a, a an attempt from Labor and um, the Liberal City Council to to do more green stuff um, to to try to hold us off. Um, so so that's the other way we can exert some influence over you know on a sort of more like legislative level um my feeling is that we're still shut out like yeah i think the senate we're going to actually get some good outcomes and that's really exciting but i think in terms of the kind of more governmental like decisions the best we can really do then is is a real like um put the fear of god in the government and in the state government and in the Brisbane city council and force them to to do some stuff that's that's um you know speeds speeds up for instance renewables and, and whatever else um but yeah i'm pessimistic to the extent that they're going to sort of um go against the corporate overlords um too much uh and and then and, and back in sort of more greens policies just out of fear of us but they're but now they're wedged um pretty significantly so you never know what what they're going to um do to try to to sort of mitigate against um you know, this green surge. I look forward to seeing them squirm, to be perfectly frank. Yeah, I'd agree with all of that.
on the paradigm shift on four triple z that is scabs there with their tribute to scott morrison what you stand for um before then we were speaking with liam flannity and esther vale two greens campaign managers who were more successful than scott morrison in uh the recent federal election uh let's go back to speaking to them well, let's talk about uh, local Queensland Greens, and um, it sort of surprised the nation, um, and it's interesting, a lot of the national coverage, they're like, oh, it must be because of the floods. Queensland yeah. believe in climate change because of the floods, and it's just, I mean, the national media just doesn't pay attention to things outside of Sydney and Melbourne, but those of us in mm. Brisbane have seen the way that you know, inner Brisbane has grown over a number of elections um, yep. with Queensland, starting with local government with John S3 and moving out to two separate state elections, winning seats and growing in this. And so it's, we have a different kind of analysis. And it seems to me that that's a, a very interest, interesting depiction, the fact that it did start at local government and then it's kind of expanded outwards. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Jono breakthrough in 2016 cannot be overstated um, because it provided for the initial model for how we campaign. You know, Max um, Chandler made it, ran Jono's campaign, and the two of them came up, like, just decided that they were going to door knock the crap out of um, the GAB award. I mean, having said that, Drew Hutton did that back in 2006 and got a remarkable result. So it's not like it's a new idea, but I think just the kind of fresh energy of, of Jono and, and Max and the, a crew that coalesced around that. Um, also around a more radical politics that was um, much more antagonistic to the sort of um, political class and a bit more, you know, lefty, I guess, like in a, in a mixed sense, you know, shades of anarchism, but also, you know, and then obviously socialists and, and, and whatever else in that mix um, kind of gave the Queen's sort of and when Jono won it sort of very quickly disseminated across the Queensland Greens that approach and it became known as the Queensland strategy which is you know talking about more material like issues that affect people's lives not just talking about climate and you know the reef all the time obviously not dropping that but but trying to focus in on the stuff that's really like hitting people in their daily lives um running large-scale field campaigns where you door knock as many people as possible but a specific approach to door knocking as well one that's not just policy focused but one that's very much about having deep rich meaningful conversations all those sorts of things um sort of uh I, re I feel really kicked off after that 2016 win and then obviously getting Michael Berkman up in 2017 and a gigantic swing to Amy and a bunch of other seats uh, in 2017 and then and then wins and, and, you know, huge swings at every election since. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it, Andy, that, you know, like the media class um, were like, oh, wow, this is so out of the blue. How did this happen? But it's been at least six years, uh, so maybe seven years in the making um, and it's and it's all just ro rolling out and refining a particular sort of strategic approach and politics that I think now I'm really excited to be able to, you know, because people, you know, weren't paying attention and now they are. And so the chance to be able to talk to the wider left and greens around the country and, and whatever and say, hey, like, you know, obviously we don't have all the answers, but we're clearly doing something right and um, it'd be worth uh, seeing how some of this stuff could be applied elsewhere. Yeah, in, in terms of, um, you know, talking about 
uh, a sense of politics that's so much broader than the single issue sort of thing that the the other parties especially as well as the media love to to paint us as and, and you've seen in the media since the election is people saying it's a luxury to be able to vote greens um when you know our politics is really when you actually pay attention to it so universal and i think we have people who would support the Greens policies because they personally would benefit from it. So because mm. they, you know, can relate to the struggle of not being able to go to the dentist because of the cost. But so many people as well who will come over to our side because they they may not have those struggles, but they can identify with them in their community and they can, can relate to other people and, and have an empathetic politics and, and say, well, look, I might not be struggling, but you know, my neighbours have been as well. So this is the best um, best policy platform to, to put my vote behind. Mm. It is interesting. And Liam, you uh, used the word socialist to describe it earlier. Um, and it, certainly there's more um, uh, state intervention or something like that in Greens mm. uh, policies than in many other parties and so in that way it is but it's sort of funny compared to traditional ideas of how to grow socialism in that um, I guess one it's at the electoral ballot box that it's sort of being done but also that it is I mean fairly well off inner city areas where mm. where this is happening rather than you know going to the working class yeah no no i mean i think all those ironies aren't lost on us andy like and i say socialism but it's it is definitely a um a spectrum here depending on who you're talking to within the queensland greens as to whether you're kind of like yeah i would say left liberal um or social democratic or socialist or even anarchist um but and and so it's not like yeah we have we have a particular like um ideology that's at, at the root of it all but um I think on the electoral stuff, I think um, I do think that an electoral like part of like or an electoral uh, strategy is pretty central to at least how I conceive of socialism. It's certainly not the be all and end all. Like you will need a heck of a lot of other parts of the strategy. Obviously, you know, workers organising, community organising, various other things. Um, but I'm of a tradition of socialism, I suppose, that sees winning uh, electoral gains as very critical. Um, so I don't think that necessarily contradicts it. But I think the um, that question about the working class is a really interesting one. Like, what is the class dimension of all of this? And, um, you know, I feel like um, in the seat of Griffith, at least, we, we certainly want a cross-class coalition. And I think Esther was sort of hinting at that just now with, uh, you know, that we've got more well-off people voting for us because they think that you know, our policy platform is sort of like the right thing to do, even if it doesn't necessarily like, you know, I think everyone would benefit from our platform. You know, everyone would benefit if dental is brought into Medicare. Everyone would benefit if, um, you know, uni and TAFE were made free again. Everyone would benefit from tackling climate change. But, you know, in terms of they're not struggling, um, some, some people who vote for us, but they think it's the right thing to do. But then there is a large, large layer of people who are voting for us because, I think they're like part of a new emerging renter class that's not necessarily defined by, you know, its occupation, but defined by how precarious it is. 
And, you know, that's 50% as the seat of Griffith is renters. And something that Max talks about a lot is just how this trend towards this slight, I suppose you would say, dispossessed renter class um, is fueling um, the capacity to, or is like opening up space for a radical politics. Because if you're a renter, you don't really, and, you know, you don't really have a lot of stake in the status quo. Um, home ownership in particular is such a great way for people to feel like they've got, you know, something to lose. And I suppose if we're talking about socialism, you know, that it really is one of the defining features of, you know, Marx's definition of the proletariat, right? That it's kind of got nothing to lose, but it's chains. If you're a renter, you don't really have a lot to lose. And so you're willing to take gambles on stuff that might disrupt the status quo. And so I think there's a lot of, you know, I would say, and I've written in little reflections that this wasn't necessarily a youth surge, but um, but our experience, at least in a number of booths um, across the electorate on, on election day was, yeah, renters in their 20s and 30s and maybe even 40s coming to the ballot box and clutching their greens how to vote and telling everybody else to piss off. And I think that's not necessarily the working class as it's been defined in that old sort of socialist tradition, but it has a similar quality to it. Um, more broadly, I think eventually we will have to expand out to the sort of less well-off areas. Um, but I still think even in the inner city, there's a class of people or classes of people that um, are relatively dispossessed and are relatively precarious that we want to relate to and help organise to fight for their interests.
back to North Byron Parklands and set to elevate your new year with a fresher and deeper lineup than ever before. Arctic Monkeys, Little Naz X, Peggy Go, Churches, Jamie XX, Amine, Ocean Valley, Camel Fat, Spacey Jane, DMAs, and many more. Let your festival dreams come true at Falls Fest 2022-2023. Tickets and info at fallsfestival.com. Proud sponsors of Fall Triple Z. From their release, ScoMo Goes to Hawaii, done uh, back in 2020. That is Dr. Shaw's unusual practice with thoughts and prayers from the deck chair. I've been playing a few songs about our recently departed Prime Minister on the paradigm shift in between speaking to Liam Flannerty and Esther Vale, who were both successful campaign managers for Greens candidates here in Brisbane in the... Uh, recent federal election. Let's go back to speaking to them. It's interesting, like, the Greens politically are quite different from the Teal independents, like, um, policy-wise, but in a way it does seem to be um, sort of the same thing, especially in Ryan and Brisbane, if it happens, where you've won these seats off the Liberal Party rather than Labor, and it's uh, inner-city... Uh, well-off electorates that are, I guess, getting disillusioned with liberals, you know, being held captive by mining companies or whatever. Uh, do you see it as mm. part of the same broad thing or do you think that the, the differences in politics makes this a very different thing? I think, um, you know, to, to take a, a gamble on um, a third party or a minor party is um, a pretty big thing and, you know, you have to, to reach a lot of people. What we've definitely seen through our campaign was was taking votes off Liberal and Labor as well, especially in those areas with high proportions of, of renters. I think, you know, if, if people would have preferred to, to vote for a Teal candidate, um, where where the Greens were presenting a, a policy platform that was much more economically left, you know, talking about taxing the billionaires to, to pay for all of the things we have to offer, um, I I don't really think it would have been enough to, to make people shift their votes so much towards us um, if they weren't, you know, agreeing with it. And, and mm. really, I think that the major limiting factor for us is our ability to reach people. And when we reach people, we are essentially, I think, taking their, taking their votes at a pretty equal rate, no matter kind of where their background is. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think um, our, certainly our campaign didn't have a teal quality to it at all. Um, we, we didn't talk about integrity or an ICAC at all. We did obviously talk about climate change, but it was in a very class-oriented way, you know, like we're going to take on the big mining um, corporations and billionaires and we're going to fund a, a rapid transition. It wasn't this kind of technocratic um, approach to climate politics. And I think um, from what I've gathered, Esther, like while sort of some of Libby's communications had a little bit more of that stuff. It was still pretty forthright in how um, antagonistic to the sort of ruling class, if not using that term, um, the politics was. And so it's really great to reflect on how uh, in a seat like Ryan, you can go out and have, what is it, almost 16,000 conversations and put out all these materials into the electorate that do very, very seriously go after big 
um, big mining corporations and say we're going to redistribute wealth and we're going to do all this very economically left-wing stuff and just win a butt-ton of votes. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, some of the things that were driving the teal wave also drove uh, stuff people to us in Brisbane but I think the quality that you know what's different is that we had these um these this infrastructure and this politics that was able to reorient that um disaffection towards something else and it's amazing to think that all of these people were very 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 happy to vote for something as um as yeah economically left-wing as well while while they were also worried about those other issues on a similar note to that, in I guess talking about the geography of votes, Queensland's electoral map, um, which already in the state government is quite clearly delineated between bigger cities and regional centres and rural, in at federal now it's an extreme delineation between mm. all rural seats or everything out of Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast is liberal, and then Brisbane and the Sunshine Coast is now increasingly green as as well as Labor. I mean. Is that something that you think about ab- about these divides and um, in the way our society is going? I guess that we're quite a fractured society in a lot of ways, and in this could be seen as kind of a, a growing divide, separate from a kind of older ideas of politics. Is that something that the the Greens, especially now that you're looking like quite an inner city party, is that something you've thought about? <laughs> <laughs> That's a tricky one, Andy. Yeah, um, my um, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's um, it's a it's it's a concern, right? That um, we can be painted as an inner city um, elite party and then not find a way to reach out beyond that. Um, my Firstly, it was, it's really great that we've been able to get Penny Almond Payne elected in the Senate. Um, she's a teacher and a you know staunch unionist up in Gladstone. Uh, I don't know if she. I think she intends to to have her office there or somewhere that's not Brisbane um, centric. And so having that ability for her, who can speak with great authority to regional Queenslanders, um, I think is a real boost for us. Uh, so that we're not just tied to to the inner city of Brisbane. Um, so that's the first thing that like, excites me. Um, but I think we've got to be a little bit strategic. Um, you know, the Greens aren't going to win, you know, our vote in the state electorates, at least in um, places like, uh, yeah, like Rocky and whatever, uh, you know, sitting at 3 or 4% of a vote. And so you can't just go there and, and expect to, to, to be able to build... Uh, big support and, and capacity and, and um, win people over. But places like Cairns um, and sort of outer suburban areas of Brisbane, I suppose, as well, where, you know, it's quite working class and whatever, we are sitting at a good starting point of our support and vote. And it's not unrealistic to think in 10 years we could be re- winning council and state seats at the very least in, um, in places like Cairns, in places like Ipswich, uh, and Logan. And so, you know, like that's not, that doesn't fix it, but I think making inroads there is probably an important part of our ongoing strategy rather than just, yeah, locking down Brisbane and then being surrounded by, uh, you know, and, and basically like, yeah, we don't want to further that divide and make, make it feel like, oh, if you're a regional Queenslander, you, um, 
you've got to hate the greens. And if you're an inner city person, you've got to be a smug greenie. Like that's the last thing we want. Um, but you've got to be strategic about where you put your resources and, and find where there's already an organic starting point for your sort of support. And I think that's places like Cairns and that's places like Ipswich and, and Logan. Yeah, and that's definitely how, you know, the Greens go about preparing their campaigns is, um, you know, to back in where we already have the capacity to, you know, run a massive campaign. And we had thousands of volunteers across um, the city and, you know, that they're, they're people who are wanting to campaign in their local area and it's not something we can just ship off and, um, you know, cre create a massive campaign out of nowhere. And parachute in an inner city Brisbane person into like regional Australia, like Christina Keneally and see how absolutely. they get wrecked. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think the the Greens really do see, um, you know, the need to, to build local capacity across the entire state. And I think, you know, we, if we can do that, um, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a lot easier to knock on every door or half the doors in somewhere like Griffith or Ryan than it is to to reach that many voters in say Maranoa but yeah. I think if we were to eventually um, build the campaigning capacity and the, the local on the ground presence to speak to that many people we would see massive gains in all those areas outside the city as well. Yeah I'd also say that like a lot of the policies that we've got in our platform we probably don't have a we probably don't have a robust enough um messaging and policy platform and stuff to go to speak to like real rural and regional Queensland like we probably do need to think more about that but in terms of like regional centers there's how like in terms of fully funding health and education expanding in like local uh, public infrastructure in terms of you know dental and mental health into Medicare in terms of building public homes and rent caps and all that sort of stuff that stuff should theoretically resonate even better there than it does in the inner city Brisbane. Like they're, they're universal things and the regions and sort of outer burbs of, um, of Queensland uh, suffer more. <laughs> so like theoretically, um, once we start building that local capacity, like Esther says, and we are starting to do that, like there's really good people working in these areas that just don't have the critical mass yet. Um, uh, theoretically, these messages should resonate even better. It just requires a, a bit of a way to reframe the Greens as a populist working class organisation rather than a, you know, elitist technocratic organisation. And that's what the Queensland Greens have been trying to do for some time now. And I think we're starting to see the results of that. Yeah, I think on, you know, in terms of, as you say, getting the, the messaging that really speaks to the people out there, what needs to happen to refine that isn't sort of people in Brisbane or Melbourne sitting around thinking about what would work, but, you know, the capacity increasing on the ground to actually test those messages and say, hey, this is how our policies are resonating with people. This is how we can talk to people about it. Well, there's nothing wrong with the holiday Unless you got a job to do And it takes a lot of nerve to just fuck off When the whole country's counting on you And I've heard all your lies and excuses I've heard all your thoughts and prayers Two firefighters dead and a thousand homes lost But I don't think Scotty cares These are 
dip with dipshit dropkick clown That's why Hope's got houseburns down He's a dip with dipshit dropkick clown That's why Hope's got houseburns down Hundred grand in taxpayer money All towards his own church And just when you think he was enough of a cunt He hits you where it really hurts The religious discrimination bill states He can do as he pleases God, he's always morally right Cause he believes in Jesus He's a redneck racist right-wing clown That's why Hope's got house burns down He's a dip with dipshit rockkick clown That's why Hope's got house burns down He's a hideous hate-filled homophobe clown That's why Hope's got house burns down He shit his ducks till his jocks go brown On the day A couple of musical tributes to Scott Morrison there after his response to the bushfires. Some would say, in fact most would say, inadequate response to the bushfires of the summer of 2019-2020. First we had the chats with I Hope Scott's House Burns Down. And after that was Pauline Pants Down, veteran of... Uh, mashup political mashups in Australia with Scummo uh, sampling a bunch of unhappy, quiet Australians um, who've been affected by the bushfires. Before that, we have been speaking with Liam Flannerty and Esther Vale, both of them campaign managers for the Greens, both of them successfully winning the seats of Griffith and Ryan in the recent election. Let's go back to the last little bit of my chat with them. Okay, well, finally, uh, one of the things that I've long stressed on the paradigm shift is that democracy doesn't begin and end at the ballot box, that people power works Mm. in all kinds of different ways. So I guess finally, do you think that this campaign and the success of it electorally, I mean, you're not suddenly going to legislate in all the things that the Greens have worked for. We assume there has to be some other... Uh, movements to kind of build that power but do you think there are lessons learned from this that can go to to other kind of social movements and things like that yeah absolutely i'm super excited about how um this some of this stuff um might be able to be translated or or sort of um yeah like filter into what people are doing in other areas and trade unions in particular people you know where there's people who feel they've got the space um in in trade unions to you know a lot of this stuff that we've been doing is inspired by people like jane mccalevy uh, over in the us who's doing all this work in 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 
the union movement and you know it's come to electoral politics here but then it's, there's no reason why it can't go back into sort of workplace organizing and community organizing particularly around just the the scale the mass approach to it the political education that we put into our uh the trainings that we run um the community organizing that we've done um i don't think anybody at least in my circle in the greens up here feels like the you know we'll just have an electoral path to power anyway and so i think we've always wanted to just get a few big runs on the board first in electoral politics before we start fleshing out the the overall approach um uh you know to to community organizing to, to workplace organizing and so on and so forth and that'll come from outside the greens as well i hope that the the wins here just inspire more people to get active uh, in whatever it is that they're doing um whether that's inside or outside the greens so yeah i mean that's a vague answer andy but yeah i think there's there's a fair bit of stuff that we can translate um uh i think people understanding what it takes as well to win big uh is what we've learned i, I imagine you've learned that as well esther like like yeah. to win big you need to to really <laughs> like the organizational capacity that you need is is quite uh is quite large and I think a lot of people don't realize it um you know often when you run an election campaign I suppose this is the first one I've been on where I felt like oh yeah we we really did it we really really talked to enough people we really reached enough people we really did everything we needed to do most times when you run an election campaign and I think it's probably the same with like organizing a protest or whatever it feels like you're it feels like you're bigger than you are um, it's very easy to be sort of have a bit of a confirmation bias or whatever and feel like, oh, yeah, look look at all of us in King George Square or look at all of us uh, on this campaign in, in an electorate. We've spoken to so many people. We're getting all this positive feedback. But you forget that there's just these millions of people out there who have, don't know the fuck you are and have never even heard about what you're doing. And so realising um, realizing, uh, just how big you need to get and then saying okay well that's just the i just need to adjust my parameters of what's what needs to be done and what's possible i think is big big learning for me here and i'll definitely be ranting to everyone who's willing to listen about uh about that we just need to adjust our sense of scale um if we're going to get the wins that we want whether that's a community win a workplace win or an electoral win yeah, definitely on this this side of the river, we we don't think that electoral politics is the be all end all, and and have really been looking to the sort of social organising that that Griffith campaign did as the sort of way of the future, the the next sort of step. Um, where I think I think Griffith was sort of one election down the track from from where we were. We just happened to. Um, catch up in terms of, of getting the vote this time around. Um, so I definitely think that that is, is where we really need to focus our attention because it is, you know, it's not just about winning votes, but building the, the base of people with the kind of values that, that we share of, um, you know, most of what we talked about this campaign which was a real sense of universalism in our politics and mm. you know building that up takes a lot more than just a campaign and just putting one person's face in front of people so so that's definitely the mm. the next step for us over here as well okay thanks very much for chatting this morning esther and liam no thanks, thanks for having us andy
on the paradigm shift that was the forklift assassins with scotty from marketing and it sure is glad to be in the post scomo era of australian politics um the last four years has been characterized by a leader with just extremely shallow responses to issues that people concern about, uh, refused to bring in a federal ICAC and in fact referred to the anti-corruption body as a kangaroo court, um, refused to take real action on climate change but instead would continually lie about Australia doing lots on climate change or having a plan, um, refused to do anything for women, even women abused within his own party um but continually talked about himself as a family man caring about um his own wife and daughters and uh, so many other things you know failed on covid saying it wasn't a race um our race against the to vaccinate against uh an epidemic and um of course the bushfires his woeful response of dodging responsibility there um, so anyway, we have played a few anti-SCOMO songs, but of course, uh, because one Prime Minister's gone doesn't automatically mean that Australia is a million times better. Uh, it is the work of people trying to organise together to improve our lives and improve our society that will uh, make it better. And so that's why it's been good to be talking to Liam Flannerty and Esther Vale about the work that they've done to get Greens campaigners uh, elected this uh, election, uh, but also about what it means um, for where our society is at, how we can work together to make a change, what they think some of the reasons for success were, and they do put it down to a lot of hard work and a lot of going to meet people and talk to people, build those connections, and um, over the next three years, uh, we are sure to be disappointed at times by our new government and even by all the independent and minor parties that have been elected. And so um, the road to a better society is a long one and full of a lot of hard work and we will have to keep going along the way. Um, but for now, we can slightly celebrate the election results and start planning together for what's next uh the fortune z of course will be with you all the way bringing you all your local uh, music current affairs community news um and voices from the margins and paradigm shift will keep going each week as well so i will be seeing you next week and in the meantime let's go out with one final scomo song this one put together by the chaser um using samples of the voice of scomo it comes with a very strong language warning um but uh thankfully it's the last time we'll be hearing scomo's voice on four triple z i reckon this is coal makes me hard but you and your family the essential services you rely on right now as a criminal the thing i love is corruption but you other cunts facing floods and the bushfires when disasters drop like God, ready to go. We're on vacation in Hawaii. Cold makes me hard. Cold makes me come. My dick isn't always hard, but cold and it's only getting harder. Cold makes me hard. Cold makes me come. But the thing I love about cold is it doesn't run away in the disasters. All those build up. And when those floats burn up, well, 
Die. 